First John, number one, verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Amen. This is the first of many sermons, uh, maybe even services that will have a theme from the epistle of John. But before we look into it, and by the way, this is, this is my first time doing a series uh, with another minister. So this is going to be pretty cool. Amen? Amen. I'm excited for that. It seems like every church has at least one person like that. The message is never for them. It's always for the person beside them. Or maybe for the person in front of them. Or maybe for the person behind them. But it's never for them. Well, I, I heard about this church that had a person like that. Every time the pastor preached a sermon, the sermon was never for her. It was always for you know, the next person. The person beside, on the left, on the right, or maybe behind or in front. The pastor had a practice of going to the front of the church, you know, as people, as, you know, he would have the service, preach a sermon, you know, they would collect the offering, he'd say the benediction, and he would walk down the aisle and stand at the door and greet the people, and as this sister was, you know, greeting the pastor, she would shake his hand and she would say, Pastor, great sermon, great sermon, you certainly gave it to them today. Well, Sunday morning, Sunday night, even for Bible study. I mean, she would be faithful and she would be greeting the pastor every time he would say the benediction. She would greet the pastor, shake his hand. Pastor, good sermon. You certainly gave it to them today. So pastor, you know, was concerned for this sister. Probably thought that, you know what? Maybe she's projecting. Maybe she's struggling with some sin and she's not wanting to face up with a reality of sinfulness in her heart. So he started praying for his sister. And one Sunday night, it rained. 
Folks, it just didn't rain. It rained cats and dogs. Service was to start at 7 o'clock. Pastor was there, 6.45. No one was there. 7 o'clock, no one was there. Pastor said, you know, this is, this rain is so terrible. I, I'm not even expecting anyone. I'm just going to kneel by the altar and say a, a prayer and just go home. Well, he knelt by the altar and he prayed. He prayed for all his parishioners. He prayed for this same sister. And, you know, he got up and he turned around and sitting in her favorite seat, guess who it was? He said, Sister, we're going to have church tonight. She said, Yes, Pastor. So they sang songs and they collected the offering and he blessed it and he preached. He preached. He preached on sin. He preached from Genesis to Revelation and back again. He said, I got you where I want you. And he preached. And he, you know, they, he said the benediction. And he walked to the back of the church. And she was there. And she shook his hand and she said, Great sermon, Pastor. If they were here tonight, you certainly wouldn't have given it to them. I'm going to give it to myself. And I trust God through me is going to give it to you this morning. First John chapter 1, a powerful, powerful scripture. Which is how it is read in the Greek. It means that was from beginning, or that was from eternity. It's remarkably, even in our English translation, it's remarkably similar to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In Archehein Hologos. Hologos in prostan theon, kai theon in hologos. In beginning or in eternity was the word, and the word was with the God, and God was the word. In both of John's introductory statements, he opens up with a clear statement on the divinity and the eternal nature of Christ. In both writings, John speaks of the eternal nature of Christ by purposefully leaving out the definite article, the. In the English translation, we, we kind of lose the, a little part of that mean, meaning. In the English, we say, in the beginning. Which kind of implies that Christ had a beginning. Hmm. The specific time of being created. 
But in the original language in both John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 1, it does not have the definite article, the Greek word hope. This reads in beginning, not a specific beginning, but the concept of a beginning, what we term today as eternity. So actually it could have read, so in eternity. In eternity. From eternity. Not structured in our linear concept of time, but from eternity. Christ was. Amen? From eternity. You know, we'll have to share that a little bit later. But John not only speaks of the eternal nature of Christ, he speaks on the human nature of Christ. John was writing to refute the teachings of some heretics, some false teachers called Gnostics. There were various strands of Gnosticism floating around during the first century, and some Gnostics' teachings had found its way into the church. Sad to say. One erroneous Gnostic teaching was they believed that everything physical was evil and that anything pure and holy and good was spiritual, was unseen. They said the flesh was evil, the spirit was good. They believed that all matter is evil and that non-material spiritual realm is good. They stretch that thought far enough so that they applied it to Christ. So they concluded that Christ did not really come in the flesh. Because if you think about it, if, if material things are evil, if the flesh is evil, then how could Christ... That would make Christ evil. So instead of submitting themselves to the purity of the word of God, instead of submitting themselves to the truth of God, they twisted and kind of put God in a box. So they said, Christ actually wasn't really in the flesh. He was just a, a spirit that looked like human form. They reasoned that he couldn't have been really flesh because in their belief system, everything physical or material is evil. So the body is evil. So Christ was not really a man, but a spirit that appeared like a man. Sadly, some believers in the church embrace this erroneous teaching to their detriment. The Gnostics took it further. Not only did they teach that Christ was not human, but they taught that because the body was flesh and physical, therefore evil, and the soul or spirit of a person good, it really didn't matter what was done in the physical as long as your spirit was right with God. In other words, they said it really didn't matter what you did. You could go out and sin, but your spirit, as long as your spirit is right with God, then it really didn't matter. So their erroneous teachings of Christ actually 
affected the responsibility of living a holy life. Hmm. This caused mass confusion and encouraged wanton and sinful practices by believers who accepted these teachings. John was concerned and he set the record straight by declaring that the Word had an eternal existence with God, that the Word was God, and that the Word became flesh, not appeared like flesh, was not a spirit that looked like human, but actually became flesh. That is why he writes, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have gazed upon and touched. He's, he's using now scientific, scientific, you know, proof. He's using the senses. He says, we have heard. People say, well, you can hear spirits. Some say, he says, we have seen with our eyes. Yeah, you can see spirits, but then he says, we touched. Amen. We touched. And I can, almost, I, I can almost hear John saying in his heart, not only did we touch him, but he also touched us. <laughs> Amen. Not only did we touch him, but he also touched us. Because he healed the sick. He raised the dead. With five loaves, five thousand fed. And I say, if God can do those miracles, he can do it again. He can do it again. In John chapter 1 verse 14, he writes, and the word became flesh. And eskinosin. Among us. Eskinosin. You know what that means? In, 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 in the English, we, we, we say, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the literal translation of that word is, And the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. <laughs> we say dwelt, but he tabernacled with us. No doubt a reference to the Old Testament tabernacle, which held the Ark of the Covenant, which was the physical presence of God for the Hebrew children in the wilderness. Jesus tabernacled with them. And yes, God is willing, and he will tabernacle with us. He will dwell with us. Amen. Yes. <laughs> he was God's physical presence on earth. Truly God. Truly man. But really, does it make that much of a difference? I mean, same God and we believe what the other, what the Gnostics were saying. Does it really make that much of a difference? Moving from the Apostle John to the some say it was Paul. Some say it was unknown writer. But uh Let's look at the scripture. I'm going to read it for you. And I'm going to say 
how important it is for us to know the divinity of God and know the humanity of Christ. We go to Hebrews chapter 4. I'm a math teacher, so it doesn't really bother me. But I know when we read this particular scripture, my English teacher at school, she cringes. Because this scripture uses a double negative. It's like a no-no in ELA. <laughs> Let's check out verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. King James puts it this way. For we have not a high priest who is not able to... Come on. Sense or... To sympathize with us? Let's put it in the positive. We do have a high priest who can sympathize with us, who can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. That's the difference, folks. That's where the humanity of Christ matters. That when you feel pain, Christ says, yes, I know what you're going through. When you're tempted, Christ says, yes, I know what you're going through. When you're feeling sorrow and a loved one died, and Christ looks back on the, on the death of his friend, and John says, and Jesus wept. Jesus says, yes, I know what you're going through. Amen. He can be touched. Isn't that, isn't that? What we want, we want a God who can understand us. We are frustrated with each other because you don't understand me. You don't know what I'm going through. We say it to our brothers, we say it to our sisters, we say it to our spouses because we're so different. Men are made different than women. Old people have experience and young people can't understand old folks and old folks forget how, you know, how they thought and how they were when they were young. And we don't understand each other. And when we conflict and we butt heads, if, we, if the words don't come out, the thought is there. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. You don't understand me. I'm here to say, doesn't matter. Christ does. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, it really doesn't matter. I'm here to tell you that we have a Savior who can understand us. And not just understand, empathize. Empathize. Touched. We have a Savior who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I wouldn't want to exchange that Savior. 
I wouldn't want to swap them out for anything. I wouldn't want to give them away. I want that kind of Savior. A Savior who can look at me, look at my frailty, look at my infirmities, look at the challenges that I face, look at the temptations that I face, accept me when I am victorious over the, those temptations and accept me when I succumb to those temptations. Think about it. Who is a good friend? A good friend is a person who knows your deepest secret and says, you are still my friend. We're in, we're not even married yet. We're dating. So Boston people, we are putting our best foot forward. Christ the King, you're putting your best foot forward. Come on now, yes? Yes! Because we want to impress. And the same, the same thing is true for Pastor Logan and myself. Yeah, we try to be transparent, but there's always that, yeah, we, we, we're putting our best foot forward. That's okay. That's human. Here is when we know this will really work. When we start to peel off. When we start to peel off and our faults and our shortcomings become open. And we make it visible to other people. We make it visible. And we can say to each other, I still love you. I still want to worship with you. I still want to unite with you. And that can only happen because Christ did it for us. You know what that is? That's called incarnational experience. Christ being here where the rubber meets the road. Christ being here with us, through us. And it only happens because of 1 John chapter 1. <laughs> so we looked at the divine nature of Christ. We looked at the eternal nature of Christ. And we close with the unifying nature of Christ. Yes, he unifies us. Those who have followed the Gnostic teachings and practices were not now enjoying true fellowship with Christ or his church. It must have pained the Apostle John, known as the Apostle of Love, to see believers fall from fellowship. This was one of his motivations for writing this epistle, this letter, because he states in verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And this fellowship of ours with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Anyone who has Christ 
is my brother. Amen. Anyone who has Christ is my sister in the deepest and purest form possible. Having Jesus as Savior and King allows us to experience a fellowship that is more powerful than anything that tends to separate or pull us apart. Fellowship in Christ breaks down cultural barriers. Fellowship with Christ breaks down gender barriers. Fellowship with Christ breaks down racial barriers, breaks down age barriers, breaks down economic or societal barriers. Yes. In verse 4, John closes, we write these things so that our joy, <laughs> I say, how selfish, I'm writing to you so that my joy might be full. <laughs> John was saying, we are fully joyous when you are fully in Christ. We are fully joyous when you are fully in Christ and enjoying fellowship with the church and with your Savior. That was his desire for the believers then. Brothers, sisters, this is my desire for you today as we worship together and as we prepare for the most beautiful expression of unity.